Welcome back to- wait, it's Christmas! Merry Christmas, everybody! Today we have a very special Christmas episode that I'm really excited for you all to hear. This episode is kind of long, but it is a full episode dedicated to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please enjoy and have a Merry Christmas! Alright, everybody, welcome back to Convert- wait, first, Merry Christmas! It's not actually Christmas, but it's Christmas for everyone listening. So, we're going to do a special Conversion to Christ episode for Christmas Day. And today it's going to be everything about the Savior, our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we have two awesome guests. We were going to have three, but one canceled. But we do have two awesome guests. One is... Hello, I'm Derek. So excited to be here. Derek has been on the podcast before, and he shared his conversion story. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. It was amazing. And now he's back because I invited him because he has such an amazing testimony and I felt his love for the Savior. And so I want him to share it all with you. Now we have the classic New Zealand Shinnabun eater, Shinnabun. And I invited him because I know he has an amazing perspective on Christ as well. Um, And I'm really excited for us to get going. And we're going to have kind of three sections. This might be a little bit shorter episode, but we're going to have three sections today where first we're going to discuss how we best grow our relationship with the Savior. Um, And my reason for this was I feel as, at least coming from my opinion, I know we may have different opinions, but in my opinion, it's been easier for me to grow a relationship with Heavenly Father and the Spirit than it has the Savior throughout my life. I think I pray to God every single day. I see the blessings he gives me. I see the prayers he answers. And so it's really easy to acknowledge that he exists. Two, the spirit testifies of truth. And I feel the spirit very often because that is his job is when I feel truth in my life, I feel happiness. I feel peace. I feel that burning feeling um, when I'm in sacrament meeting, taking the sacrament, right? But with the savior, I don't, I don't pray to him, right? I, I pray to heavenly father um, with the savior. I don't necessarily, at the at, at least when I was younger, I didn't think I felt him like I did the Spirit. I thought I felt the Spirit. That's my relationship with the Spirit. I see God's love um, in my life, and I see the blessings, and I see His unconditional love, and I I see Him answer my prayers, and I talk to Him like He knows everything about me, and I um, I feel connected to Him. And so for a long time, it has been kind of hard, honestly, for me to feel connected with the Savior. And so that is my reason for kind of. Um, talking about this. The second part today is we're going to all share our favorite scriptures about the Savior um, and why we love them. And lastly, we are going to end with our personal experiences with the Savior and how much um, he has He has done for us. Um, let's start off with discussing how we grow our relationship with the Savior. Um, Derek, do you want to start us out? I would love to. Merry Christmas, everybody. Just as Jackson said, all three of us wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. The best Christmas I've ever had in my life was serving as a missionary. And the reason was my focus was outward. And oh, Shinnabun being a father, I know your Christmases are a lot better thinking about your family than the gifts you're going to receive. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. Everything he did was outward. He sacrificed everything for you. He sacrificed everything for your weakness, for your fears, for everything you're going through. That's such a great question. How do we build a relationship with the Savior? My story is unique in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For me, building a relationship with the Savior was the first thing I did in my religious journey. 
effectively. And it wasn't until I served a mission that I really began building a relationship with Heavenly Father. So I had to have a reverse role in this. Building a relationship with the Savior is repentance, in my opinion. Changing and proving. You know, that's how I think of repentance. Often you hear change, but to me, repentance is synonymous with improvement. It is change, but it's upward change. That's the beautiful thing. When you have weaknesses, when you have trials and adversities, and that gap from where you want to be to against your present circumstances, that is where Jesus Christ can come in, and that's where you can build a relationship with the Savior. A scripture that we're going to touch on later, I know Jackson's excited to share this one, is a prophet in the Book of Mormon. His name is Moroni, and at the time he wrote this, his family had been murdered, his people have turned away from the gospel, and he's alone, and he has a lot of fears. However, he still taught truth, and he did it through the enabling power of our Savior's sacrifice. And at this dark period of his life, he taught this incredible truth, and that is in him, it's the Lord speaking through Moroni here. And the Lord taught, quote, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is efficient for all men that humble themselves before me and have faith in me. Will I make weak things become strong? That is exactly what Jesus Christ does with each one of us. You see, when we have weaknesses in our lives, those are opportunities to grow. And Jesus Christ and the Lord promise us that the enabling power of our Savior's atonement will turn those weak things into strengths. Now, how do we access that power? I learned this also on my mission. I started out my mission in Peru, and over and over again at the beginning of my mission and throughout the mission, we kept teaching four things. It's church, praying, reading, and the temple. Simple things. And again, in the Book of Mormon, another prophet, and this prophet started off his life doing the, quote, most vilest sins, quote, known to man. And this prophet would repent of those mistakes. He changed and improved, and he became a different man through Jesus Christ. And he taught that by, quote, small and simple things are great things brought to pass, close quote. And so some small and simple things that we can do to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is going to church every Sunday, is praying morning and night throughout the day, studying the scriptures. And by studying the scriptures, we learn about these things, that weak things become strong, and that small and simple things are brought to pass, and that the Savior's atonement is for all men. It's not just for your neighbor or somebody else you know, it's for you. For your individual weaknesses. I have a couple questions that, and a couple thoughts I thought of. I thought well, what, one thing that was really interesting when we were talking today in the temples, you said that you first developed a relationship with Christ, then the Spirit and God came later. Mm-hmm. Um, more specifically, probably God came later for you, right? Yeah. And I find that so interesting from a from someone who was born in the church versus someone who was a convert. Why that was so interesting to me is was I was always raised kind of more to, I develop a relationship with Heavenly Father through prayer. I, de- I develop a relationship with um, the Spirit through 
doing the right thing. And as I do the right thing, the spirit can be in my life, the Holy Ghost, right? But I can't really remember specifically being raised to develop a relationship with the Savior alone, just me and him. And I, and I know the doctrine behind it of, you know, studying his life and learning his gospel and repenting every day using his atonement. But sometimes I think my question would be, and I think some of those, some of those who are listening, what would you say to them who said, okay, like I can feel I'm changing because I'm trying and I can feel when I repent and try to change, I, I am changing and I can feel myself change. But what's the difference between feeling the atonement work in your life rather than just trying to overcome a bad habit and saying like, oh, like I can feel myself changing. Like, what does it feel like to feel the atonement? Yeah, that's a great question. So basically it's how can we feel the Savior's atonement working in our lives, right? That and like, how can we like distinguish that between just change? Because like, I feel like we change every day, right? Men change, change every single day. But what distinguishes that between just changing and feeling that it is the savior changing us like how do we recognize that that it's actually the savior changing us rather than just us choosing to do better the next day what a great how how is it more like being spiritually aware is it you know being aware of the you know of not just physical you know if you start a healthy diet of course your body's going to feel better you know that's just how it is but how are you more aware or how can you recognize that spiritual intervention and it's actually um, building and being a foundation in your healthy lifestyle, healthy choices? Yeah. What do you think? What a fantastic question. And what, I love what Shinobun just shared too, because you're right. And because I think often with changes we think in life, we often think of the change just just for us, like for example, change in diet, change in lifestyle, things like that. It's mostly affecting us. What's beautiful about the Savior is that the change, two things, change long term is always is always beneficial, and secondly, it's always outward. And I'll add, let me expound on that first point. Change is always beneficial in the in the long run, in that. It's always pointing towards a positive direction. It's always pointing up, upward. And it's also changing the Savior is never a small gain. Like, for example, if you change your diet, maybe 10 pounds, 15 pounds, maybe 100 pounds. However, a change in the Savior, there's no limit to that. It really is the loaves and the fishes. It's expounding exponentially. Before I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I remember a few instances where I began to see this change occur. One was after a baseball game, I went to, I was on the way home, swung by Subway. I'll never forget this. There was a worker there, and by all appearances, she appeared to be a single mom, and she was working alone at the Subway. And there's a whole line of people. It's a rush of dinner, and and she had a crying baby with her at work because evidently there's no one, for for whatever reason, she wasn't able to have someone to watch her child. So as she's trying to both look after her child and to provide for that child and work, she's trying to balance this crying baby while serving us at Subway. And my ignorant self at that time was only concerned about what my needs were. That's all I cared about was was myself. And I'll never forget there was a the mother of one of my 
teammates, classmates, just a wonderful family, just really salt of the earth kind of people. She goes over to the baby and picks the baby up and calms it down so the mom could work and focus on her job. And now after following Christ for over five years now and having these incredible experiences, going to the temple, making covenants there, serving in various capacities in the church, now I'm grateful to say without a doubt, I would, in a normal, natural way, assuming I had permission from the mother and things like that, I would do everything I can where now when I walk into that subway, it's not about what old number one wants, what I want. It would be, what can I do to help that individual? A huge factor can, can we can know if the Savior's work in our lives is, are we seeking to please Heavenly Father, seeking to please man? And also too, how does that, how does that, if, if we are seeking to follow God, how does that help us see the Savior in our, in our lives? Why do why did you say that? I'm curious. Yeah. I would say for a couple of reasons. Can I say something before you, oh, before do, you, yeah. before you answer that? I wanted to say, um, one thing I really enjoyed that you said early on of answering this question was that the savior has no limits. Um, and it is like the loaves and the fishes. It it, it is forever. It, it's like miracles, right? And I think one way that I've been able to recognize the Savior changing me that I've like, I know was the Savior. There was nothing else that it was so clear to me that this was the Savior was when I knew for a fact I had accepted that I was a natural man at a fallen state. And I had tried to overcome something on my own like thousands of times through thousands of prayers of just really, to be honest with you, just willpower, just me trying with my own willpower. And I never really, to be honest with you, accepted the Savior and said, he's already taking care of this. He's already taking care of this. This isn't my battle to do. I'm imperfect and I'm never going to win this battle of having a weakness and trying to overcome it on my own. And what I did for years and years and years was try to willpower. I said, oh, if I just try harder next time, if I just put more and more grit into it, I'll overcome it. And guess what? The next time I failed and I thought, and you know, that puts you, it puts you in a state of thinking, is something wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? I thought I'm trying my best. I, I literally have been working so hard. I've been working my butt off to overcome this and I fall again. And then I just beat myself up and beat myself up. And the moment I accepted Christ and realized he's already taken this for me. This isn't my battle. He's already taken it. This is what's so powerful about grace. And now all I can do is try to be a disciple the best I can. And that is my job. My job isn't to overcome the sins of the world. That's his job. His job is to save, right? And once I realized that, the power of the atonement came so strong to where when I did make a mistake, I felt that guilt of that quick guilt of saying, I know I did something wrong and I'm going to do better and I'm not going to hold on to it. And I'm going to thank the Savior and Heavenly Father for the grace and what he has done for me. And as I, and I, literally, I can testify to all of you listening that when I had done those things, I had seen my weaknesses gradually start going away naturally because of the love I had for the Savior and Heavenly Father. Rather than me wanting to just do it hard and working harder and working my body and my mental, my, my mental health just to the edge because I wanted to overcome it when it wasn't my battle in the first place. Um, and that's when I realized when an impossible weakness to overcome was overcome. I realized the Savior had 
completely helped me. Uh, and I think that is so powerful. And I think that's a lot of people's reasons why they do follow Christ is they, and I think this comes from hitting rock bottom. Oftentimes, I think when people hit rock bottom, um, they have nowhere to go. They've been trying everything possible. And the one thing that got them out was the savior. Um, and that that's happened for me. And so I really like that you said that at the beginning, that it, it literally is a miracle. And that's one way to show and, and, for people listening to see Christ in their lives is to say, holy crap. Yeah, I am so weak. And I could have not done that without the savior. There's no way I probably like I'll, I'll share later um, when we talk about our experiences with the savior, but it happens. It, it there, There's just no way we can overcome certain things without the savior. I, I mean, I've experienced it. I'm sure we all have, but what were you going to say um, going off? Why, like why, when we, choose to follow God instead of man, how does that help us recognize the Savior in our life? What were you thinking on that? Yeah. Often when you're seeking to please man, you're motivated by fear, and you make fear-based decisions as opposed to faith-based decisions. A perfect example will be the subway scenario that I'm not proud of, but it's in the past, is that I had schoolwork to do, I had life to live, I had commitments to make, and... I was worried about myself and doing well for other people as opposed to taking a step back and putting the needs of others ahead of my own. Also, there's actually a quote from Elder Bednar and Elder Bednar in his professional life, he was a professor in the field of business and interpersonal connections and also making an organization really be effective and efficient at the maximum and optimal capacity. And he said that to the quote of, if you want a job done correctly, do it yourself, you know, that that quote. And he said that that's true for maybe the second or third round of things. But as that situation perpetuates, training other people to do that makes the organization run so much better. So you're right, maybe the first, second, and third try doing something, doing a certain task yourself will be the fastest way to do it. However, if you're an organization that's doing more than just a couple things, if you're doing a lot of things over and over again, the team is going to go so much farther. We is going to go so much farther than I. And that's another thing that the Savior teaches is that if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go together and be yoked with the Savior. Like for example, and I say this with all glory to God, my parents weren't they're not religious. And if I would have perpetuated that cycle, the the line of non-religiosity would have continued in my family. But my decision to get baptized, think about how that's going to impact my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. And that's true for each one of us. And that's an example how the Savior's change has no limit to it. I love everything that was said. I want to finish off with hearing a little bit of Shinabun of what you have experienced or what you've been feeling about how we can best build our relationship with the Savior. Um, And then after, I'd like to share some things. What do you think? Ooh, uh, first, I want to go off. I really liked how you said about, you mentioned forgiveness and forgiving yourself, you know, forgive and forget. And it's interesting, you always hear like, you know, oh, forgive and forget, you know, just forget about what you did. If something's tormenting you, it doesn't leave, you know, 
especially when you beat yourself up a lot. And that's, you know, that's how Satan gets us. He wants us to linger on it. He wants us to, he wants it to fester and rot from the inside because that's how it works. And the great thing about actually healing within Christ, you move forward, you know, move forward, move with Christ because eventually you're going to get past that point where you don't need to forget it because you've moved on from it. There's a difference between forgetting and moving on from it. And I liked how you, you mentioned that, you know, yeah, moving on, following our side, because right now he's got one direction, you know, he's heading that way. And if we're constantly, you know, like, oh, just forget, forget. When someone tells me forget, the first thing I do is I, I look back, <laughs> you know. You want to look back, right? When they say forget, it brings back memories of, oh, yeah, I did this, I did this. No, no, no. No, don't worry about forgetting. Follow. And with following Christ, you will get to a point where you haven't forgotten. You've just moved on from it. It's, it's, it's a past scene. You've walked through that desert. You know, like your, your ancestors, if you guys are from Utah, your ancestors were out in the wilderness, you know, pilgrimaging it up. And they're not thinking about that desert. They're thinking about, oh, great, we've got some nice fields, we've got some water. Like, that's what their mind was, you know. That's all they're thinking about right now. They're thinking about it while they're going through the deserts. And I can imagine America is a big piece of land with a lot of deserts. Yep. They're not thinking about the desert. They're just thinking, yeah, it's hot. I just want to go to the land of milk and honey with a bit of shade. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's, that, that's how we have to look at it. And yeah, I just love to how you said that, you know, following Christ, moving with Christ. We're not forgetting. We're just moving on from it. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really, I was like going, I was having like a moment. I was like, oh, my brain was just blowing up. Yeah. It was fantastic. My relationship with Christ, it's actually, it's interesting. So I think mine came origin originally it came from charity. Now Polynesians are some of the most they look kind of scary, but we're some of the most <laughs> loving people I know. Like it's in it's bred in our DNA. You know, it, we just naturally we're, we're very charitable people. Might not look like it, but you know, and for example in the Maori culture, you have a guest you have to feed them. Even if you have nothing, you could have literally just bread, peanut butter, bitter jam, serve it to them. I've been to a house where they had absolutely nothing and they were willing to give me what they had. This year, I, it was during summer and there was this old dude and he had, he was trying to eat his bento because they normally sit somewhere and he was eating and there were a bunch of, you know, people around and I, I saw him and he was like, it was quite a bit of distance, but I could see that he was, you know, he was having a difficult time eating. He, he, you know, he couldn't get it into his mouth. He was spilling everywhere. I dropped everything and I just went straight to him and I just, I could barely speak to, like barely speak Japanese at the time. And I was just like, oh, like, oji-san, daijibu, watashi mo Like, I can help you. I, I wanted to show that I could help him. And like, yeah, I got some funny faces, but I don't care, you know. Helping your better man, helping man. And, you know, I was feeding him and I started, I got a bit teary. I was drinking him and I was like, you know, if I 
was in his situation, I would really appreciate someone like me to do this. And then I couldn't help but thinking about Christ. And at the time, I thought about when he went to heal the blind man. And I got a little bit teary, you know, grabbed a bit of dirt. He, he wiped, you know, he cleaned up the eyes. And I got really teary and like I was getting quite emotional about it. And then he thanked me. He went on his way. And I just sat there and I was just like, you know, it's normally I don't think about it. I just do it. But this time I was like, you know, they called him the teacher for a reason, you know. They called him a teacher for a reason. And I was feeling, you know, a, a lot of love. And I felt close. I felt a lot closer to him through charity, through working with people. Something I teach my daughters as well is to be close to Christ is to be close to your family and to be close to your family is to be close to Christ. And through acts of Christ, we can be closer to him as well. What's one of the things? Charity. Because at the end of the day, what's, what's the end goal? What's the song that we sing in, that you guys sing in primary? Families can be to be together forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, I felt. I feel really close. And that's how I build my relationship mm. with Christ, I build my, I keep my, keep my family close. And this is for my own personal understanding. Why, mm. why does being close to your family help you feel close to Christ? That's actually a good question. That's a very good question. One that I can barely answer, but I have a kind of an idea because. Yeah, that's a really good answer. I, I have to say it's kind of ingrained in my system. It's ingrained in my system. Like it could be a culture thing. It could be a culture thing. The first time I ever thought about God's love or Christ's love is when I had my daughter. I specifically remember my daughter was born. I thought, I love you so much. How can I love you this much? And I barely even know you. And then I thought of him. You know, and then there were, not deeply, but I thought of, you know, him sacrificing his son, his son coming down for us. And I was like, damn, that's a lot of love. <laughs> that's, that, that's, a, that's a lot of love. And I feel it. I'll be honest with you, though. I didn't fully understand as well as I'd love, uh, as well as I would have liked to, both of your guys' perspectives. But that's what's so beautiful about in the individual relationship with Christ is that we have an individual relationship. And let me give you kind of a unique perspective, those who are listening and you two who are here with me now, about some things that I feel like I don't fully see where you guys are coming from on some of your parts, but totally on other parts. Um, and first, I want to go through what we've kind of already discussed about relation, how we can grow a relationship with Christ. And I want everyone who are listening to hear this as well. First, first we said um, repentance and change. We said realizing that we didn't do this on our own, realizing we're weak, right? Becoming humble is a way to grow a relationship with Christ. Um, following God instead of man. Having a relationship with Christ is always looking forward, right? In faith. Um, having charity, right? Is, is feeling that love of Christ. Um, service, which I thought was a very unique and special answer because I'll explain in a second. Um, and 
and of course, I kind of gathered this all together as emulating the Savior's life um, helps us feel close to him because we see what man he was and trying to become like that helps us feel close to him. And I say service is such a cool thing because I was talking to my friend Jeff in the temple today and he actually brought that up. He kind of felt prompted, he said, to talk about service when we were talking about the Savior. And he said, the reason, or he started explaining that, you know, I feel I'm close to the Savior when I'm serving. And I, I sat there and thought for a second, I said, why though? I mean, does it have a lot to do with the atonement or repentance? And what I thought of was, when I hear people talk about service, I don't hear them say, oh, when I was serving, I felt the Spirit so strong. Or when I was serving, I felt God's love for me. What they say is, when I was serving, I felt like I was becoming more like my Savior. And I was doing the things that He was doing. And I was doing what He'd want me to be doing. And I realized it all encompassed this big thought of like, oh my gosh, like when we are emulating our life like his and we are trying to become like what he did, serving others, helping others, um, doing our best to lift others up and be like him, we can feel close to him because that's that's what he was doing, right? So I thought it was a really cool point that you brought up Shinobun about how um, service was such an important um, thing. I think I'll share two things before we move on. One was that this is kind of a unique thing I've done in the past couple of months where I've asked someone, when have you felt the Savior strongest in your life? And I would say 99% of the time, I've heard the answer that you could say the exact same answer for, when have you felt the Spirit the strongest in your life? Or when have you felt God's love for you the strongest in your life? And 99% of the answers are all the same for those three questions. And to be honest with you, it kind of bothered me. It, it kind of bothered me because I've experienced so much different than that. I've experienced an individual relationship with every single one of those beings, with feeling the spirit so strong and a feeling that I know that was the spirit there. Also feeling a time where I knew the savior was right next to me, pushing me up, lifting me up. I've also felt an individual relationship with God where I know that he had answered my prayers. He was listening to my prayers and I knew that he was my loving heavenly father and he loved me unconditionally no matter where I was in my life. I've, I've experienced each individual one of those. And so it was really hard for me. I don't, th I don't think it was necessarily hard, but more like almost kind of frustrating that I feel like I couldn't relate with anyone because everyone's answers was like, oh, like when I was sealed to my family in the temple and I just felt God's love so strongly. And I was like, that's amazing. But I feel like that wasn't my question. Like, that's kind of where my mind would go when I would ask these questions. Or they would say like, when I like was reading the scriptures, I felt the spirit so strong. And that's like, I, I, I just, and I was like, yeah, like I love those experiences, but I want to hear an answer of like how you felt the closest to the savior. Um, and even Jeff today in the temple, I asked him when he had felt closest to the savior. And one of his answers was individually with the Savior, I felt, but the rest were more like when I felt the Spirit really strong or when I felt God answer my prayers. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I, I do think that the three work in unison and we can feel them si simultaneously, but I also have such a strong feeling we can also have individual relationships with them because I've experienced that. I've, I've absolutely experienced feeling the Savior lift me up and I wasn't giving that credit to the, to the Spirit. Because I, I knew the Savior was lifting me up when I was so low and I couldn't do it on my own. I've also had God completely answer a prayer and I felt his unconditional love when I felt I did not deserve it. And I did not give that credit to the Spirit or the Savior. I, God, my loving Heavenly Father, gave me that unconditional love. And I'm not saying the Savior doesn't have that, but I knew it was God, mm -hmm. my loving Heavenly Father, who, who 
who I felt that unconditional love. And for example, with the spirit, his job is to testify of truth. That's what he does. And so when I hear something true, I feel that uplifting feeling, whether that comes in peace or happiness or a burning in my bosom. I know that that's the spirit. And I'm not saying that's not the spirit. That's the savior. Does this make sense? Do you get, do you two get what I I'm get saying? it. Yeah, no, I, I actually fully understand. I fully understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, uh, and let me finish this and then I'll give you a thought. Yeah, okay? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so that was, that's been frustrating for, for me for the past couple of months. And I don't want to discredit anyone's experiences, but I feel like, I, to be honest, I haven't really related with anyone when I've asked this question. And it's been kind of frustrating. Um, and that's why I also asked you when you said, when you get close to your family, you get close to Christ. And I was really trying to comprehend that. I was like, what does that mean though? Like, and, and, I, and I get your point of if, if they're all working in unison, if those three are working in unison, then of course, when we're close to our family, that's what God wants. And we can feel the Savior's love. We can feel God's love. We can feel the Spirit. I agree with that. But also, it's hard for me to understand an individual relationship with that answer. And it's always not as clear cut and dry as we want it to be. Um, so that was just a unique perspective that maybe you guys can think about that has been on my mind a little bit. Uh, and then you give me your thoughts, Shinobu, and then I'll finish off with one way I've yeah, connected yeah, yeah. with the Savior. I actually really, I, I actually really love it how you were actually explaining it because I was like, okay, I get how my bro's thinking. I, I, I understand. And you'll, you know, you're actually fully valid and that's a great thing. It actually brought me kind of made me think when I did my confirmation on my daughter and in the prayer, I said, I, I want you, the Lord wants you to create a, uh, to be, to create your own relationship with Christ um, beyond te temptation, beyond influence of others um, for you to find your own original relationship. And I was thinking, then I was thinking, it's like, I didn't even notice at that time. That's what you, when you were talking, that's what came to my mind. I was like, I don't even, I don't really think about that. And I think it might be due to spiritual awareness. It could be something, you know, maybe we are being influenced by Christ. But then at the same time, for me, I find it difficult to relate to a lot of people from Utah mm -hmm. because their entire upbringing and it, it could also be due culture difference upbringing as well i find that you know um sometimes it's quite overwhelming for me it's like wait you guys think like this oh okay is, is that a normal thing like you know so yeah it's I, I i get i get where you're coming from and i for my my answer on that is maybe i'm not being spiritual spiritually aware and i need to be more focused on that that could be something that could be something well, my, so this was my answer to Jeff because Jeff kind of had a similar con like concern, I guess, that you just mm. kind of said like, oh, maybe I'm not spiritually aware. And what my, what this is my theory and you guys can give me your thoughts on it, but I think it's more of members not being spiritually aware that you can have an individual relationship with each member of the Godhead rather than just oh we feel all of them at the same time on every experience i i totally think we maybe as a membership as a church i think of course i know we are the true church of jesus christ but i think one thing we could do better at at least in my experience was clarifying that you can have an individual relationship with all of the all of the godhead but especially our savior jesus christ an individual mm -hmm. just you and him relationship with him 
that you can talk the same that someone talks about their relationship with God, they can talk about the Savior. Um, and that that's what my theory is. I believe we just need to help others understand they can have a relationship with every single one of the members of the Godhead. But do you have any last thoughts about what has been on your mind? Because, I mean, I'm sure there's something on your mind when it comes to this topic. Well, I guess, are you saying like, how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or what, what was the, what was your question again? Where you said you, you never got, you felt like you never got an answer to. Oh no, I I never felt I could relate with anyone. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Part. So I never felt I could relate to anyone when I I've been asking like probably dozens of people this past couple months because I've been praying about this specific topic. I I've asked them, tell me the time in your life that you have felt closest to the Savior. Gotcha. And I would say 95 to 99% of the answers could be the exact same answer for one of you felt closest to the spirit in your life. One of you felt closest to God in your life. And they all could be the same answer for those three questions. And I couldn't relate to that because if someone said those three questions to me, I would have three different answers. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I can never, never relate with someone when I ask them about specifically the savior relationship with him and them. Yeah. To me, I think that's, that's why repentance and weaknesses and trials and your own individual weaknesses are such gifts because that's how we have our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How have you, are you separating that from just Christ changing you or are you putting that all together with Christ, the spirit and God encompassing everything and making that change for you. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. My answer would be, I think you can't separate. And here's why. John 3.16 teaches that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So another name for Jesus Christ is God's love. And so to separate Jesus Christ and God is separating one of the titles of the Savior. And so that's that's really that's really difficult because to then say it's just Jesus Christ changing me well heavenly father ordained and chose Christ to be the savior so to take him it would be like it'd be like taking like LeBron James for example and saying okay we're taking off the influential coaches LeBron James had yeah and just James but like LeBron James wouldn't be LeBron James without those influences to become i get what you're saying yeah i get what you're saying i I think I'm going to end with this, that I think this is going to be my thought that is all encompassed. There's like thousands of ways, individual ways we can all grow closer to Jesus Christ. I think one thing, I believe that you can develop a relationship with every member of the Godhead individually. Two, I don't think any of them can do it alone. They all have to be together and you can't separate them. Um, They're all unified in purpose, right? But... On the other hand, I still do believe you can develop a relationship with them. And this is probably the most simple way I can explain it. God's job is to love us unconditionally, provide us with a savior, a world, a, a, a savior to change. Christ's job is to save, right? To give us the atonement, to not only repent and overcome our sins, but also become like him. The spirit's job is to testify of truth. And as much as they have individual rules, I believe they have much, they just as much can have individual relationships with every single seeking person on the world for these relationships. Um, and that's, that's where I think this discussion has got me at. 
Mm-hmm. I had another thought going back to your other question was uh, in my story, how between failing at baseball, failing at school, long story short, between bullying, family abuse, not being religious, baseball failures, school failures, those five things, like it was Jesus Christ that pulled me out because it wasn't the Holy Ghost. I mean, I, I heard a story of Christ. I, and Heavenly Father is so involved, but it wasn't Father him, just himself healing the blind man. And like, and I was able to like, I was blind in these five areas, bullying, you know, all that stuff. It was Jesus Christ healing me. So I think that was an answer to your question because it, it didn't say the Holy Ghost healed the blind man. The Holy Ghost healed me. It wasn't God that, God indirectly did it, but it was Christ. Mm. So I think that is the answer to your question. From your personal experience, that's like, I guess one person I felt I could relate to, you know, finally it's like, yeah. um, so I, I enjoy, I'm thank you for that. Cause it really, I, I just have a, like, I have a feeling that I can't like lie. Right. I can't like say like, Oh, actually like they're all, I just have felt them all the same my whole life. Like yeah. that just how it hasn't been. I believe you can have a relationship with each individual Godhead. Wow. Everyone. That was amazing. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that good stuff. Next we'll be talking about our favorite scriptures about Jesus Christ and why we love them so much. Um, and I can start actually this time and then we'll go around. I mean, I actually have a bunch. I'm going to skip Ether 1227 because you talked so much about it, which was so amazing. And I love Ether 1227, but I'm going to um, switch it up and give maybe, I, I mean, I've, I thought of like, before this podcast, I was thinking of so many different scriptures um, that I've just completely, I would say, fell in love with. Um, and I would say the one, the two, the one and two I'd like to share is probably remember Lot's wife, pretty simple, short scripture. Okay. I mean, that is really (laughs) one of the shortest scriptures in the whole scriptures, all the scriptures that's Luke 17, 32. And let me just tell you why I love this so much and why it relates to the savior for me. For one. I love the story of Lot's wife and Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. I love it all, right? I love that story. Um, the reason I love that scripture as well is because there's a famous talk by Elder Holland called Remember Lot's Wife. talks a lot about the atonement, looking forward, not looking back. One of the worst things you can do is dig up something that has already been repented of, that the Savior died trying to save, and you bring it up again, right? That's one of the worst things we can do. It's already been done, right? I love that. And I think the biggest reason for me why I love Remember Lot's Wife, because, that scripture, because the reason Christ is saying this is because Lot's wife could not let go of her past. She could not look forward with faith, um, and she turned back and was turned into a pillar of salt, right? And that whole meaning for me is so deep because I've been through a big, big repentance and change process through the atonement of, I had addictions. I was in deep sin before I turned to Christ. And so many people in my life have tried so hard to bring that back up, to bring back my old life. And it has been really hard for a really long time to feel that I have completely repented and changed, but the world continues to remember my past sins. And one thing I love about Remember Lot's Wife is that not to be like her, right? To look forward in faith 
and not let even myself bring up my past sins and, and say that, oh, that's who, I, that's who I am. Or people in my life who bring up past, past me and say that's who I am because it's not who I am. And, and the only way I can say that is because of the atonement of Christ. <clears throat> the only way I can say that I am not my past self, that I can look forward in faith is through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So that's one, that's, I mean, that is absolutely why I relate so much to just that scripture alone. Remember Lot's wife, the story, how our church leaders have portrayed that talk and that scripture um, <clears throat> and my own personal experience with it. Who wants to go next? You got it, Shinaboon? Okay. I'll go next then. All righty. Um, and that was it. That was, I actually really liked that one. I really liked your one. That was cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I was, I actually prayed on this one. I actually prayed on these ones because I had, I had a bunch of scriptures and I was actually talking with my cousin a couple of nights ago. And we're actually discussing about this, and it's when Jesus is, you know, he's he's going around, and an aristocrat, a young man, comes up to him and says, you know, how can I achieve eternal life? And it's it's one of my favorites. It's, but yeah, it's uh, Matthew nineteen, uh, verse uh, twenty one. Uh, to 26. Sorry, it's a bit of a no fat worries, one. brother. <laughs> and so the aristocrat, the young aristocrat, kind of goes to Jesus. And he's like, Oh, you know, how can I achieve eternal life? And he responds, And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now there are two things that kind of got me. So first, an eye of the needle. I was like, yeah, of course, you can't fit a goat or anything through. Like, I actually <laughs> thought it was the eye of a of a needle. And then my cousin was like, no, that's actually a place that was in Egypt. It was, it was like a, there was a, it was like a path. And so for them to enter Egypt, they had to remove all, all the positions from the camel. So the camel was able to get through the gates it was that narrow oh wow and then it got me think and it got me thinking that's so true because at the end of the day we were born into this world with nothing we leave with nothing as naked as they come but naked and all like we we go through and i was just like 
for at first I was like, okay, yeah, it's kind of impossible for a for a camel to go through a needle. But I was like, but not all rich men are greedy. Not all rich men are like this. Yeah. But when my cousin explained, he goes, no. He's saying you have to remove yourself from. You have to. Don't be attached to these positions because if you if you cling on to them with all your life, you can't get through. You won't be able to enter the kingdom. You won't be able to enter the city. And it got me thinking, like, oh my, yeah, that is so right. I so you told me a couple, two weeks ago, about a week ago, right? We're going to do a Christmas special, and I've been praying on it. Like, you know, I barely read the books. I was praying like, you know me, I barely read the books. Come on, like, give me some inspiration. And then I had this conversation with my cousin. And then it just kind of just fireworks were hitting off, bursting with colors. And I was like, yo, he knew what I needed. Me. Perfect. Thank you. And I really want to, can I share one more? Yes, please do. Is it okay? Yeah. So this one, this one was my, I would consider, this one hit me immediately. I heard this. I actually a little bit, a little bit like a little teary, a little teary. <laughs> yeah. And it's about um, it's it's found on Old Testament, First Kings, uh, chapter nineteen, verse four to seven. And this is a story about Elijah. And they've just gone. They, you know, as we know, if if you haven't read, uh, I'm not going to spoil it. You should read it yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, quick, without spoiling it, he's just done a best murder. Like he's just slain just a bunch of people, and now he's all depressed about it. Like he he's he's down. And so yeah, First Kings, Old Testament, chapter nineteen, verse four to seven. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, is it enough now? O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a curse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Now, this is about God and him sending angels, but when I think of that, I think of Jesus Christ, the atonement. It's impossible. We can't do this on our own. And the journey, and this can apply. The journey is great. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. The journey, it's that's spitting fire facts because the journey is too great for thee. It is. And to think that we can do it on our own is really ignorant. Yeah. And that's where, like, you know, I, I hear sometimes, and, you know, it's good for them to be proud of what they do. But, uh, you know, you get some missionaries come back and like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. <laughs> yeah. And like, hey, cool. Mean. I'm on their buzz. I love it. But then I get those where they go, me and the spirit, me and the Lord, we. And it's like, yeah, mm, mm, I'm vibing with this. I'm loving this. Yeah. The journey is great. And through Christ, 
we have that atonement. We have, we are able to, we the possibility of us entering the kingdom of heaven, it's possible. Without him, it's impossible. And I know for maybe some people out there, you're hearing this and going, ah, you know, this is just this is just chicken, this is just chicken leftovers. Like, mate, stop throwing the bone around here. <laughs> but through Christ, he as I said, he's the teacher. Through Christ, we are able to become better. We are able to be better for those, not just for ourselves, but for others. And we're able to pass it on. We're able to, you know, infect other people with it. And the journey is great. And we need each other. I need you. You need me. I need you too as mate. We all need each other. The journey is great. So let's hunker down. Let's drink some water. Let's eat some cake on the coals. Have a nap. And then we get back into it tomorrow. And this is a great one for me because it got me in a it got me out of a place of I could relate with Elijah. There was a point, and I'm I'm I can imagine a lot of people have gone through the same thing where they either wanted to, they 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 want to give up. And the Lord isn't gonna be like, pray, read scriptures. No, he's gonna be like, I I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know this is difficult. Here, rest, eat. But here are some people. Here is here is my son, and he's going to help you through it. Just follow him. Just move forward. Just take the steps. Each step is difficult, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. But yeah, that's just my that, that's my two scriptures that I wanted to share. Sorry if it was a bit too long. Not at all. No. All right, Derek, you ready, bro? I am so ready. Okay. Blow my mind. Blow my mind. So we're not finished with the Old Testament, and. This is this is awesome. We've had three Old Testament scriptures about Christ. I love it. Oh, yeah. This is the Lord speaking in Isaiah again. Ooh. And a little historical background. Isaiah is roughly the time that the Book of Mormon started, and it was not a stable society. There's wars all over the place. It was a dangerous society, dangerous place to live in. With all these fears and restlessness going on, Hear the words of the Lord. This is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, quote, But now thus saith the Lord that created you, who's ever listening to this, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by my name. You are mine. Close quote. And Elder Karen cited this scripture during his talk on healing from abuse. I know this personally. This isn't just some intellectual third-person academic source that I know. Instead, I know it from my heart. When Jesus Christ teaches that you listening to this are his, and he, when he tells you you are mine, he means it. That's the beautiful thing about Christmas. He was born for you. The, as, a, as a general authority tell in the last general conference, the plan of happiness, the plan of salvation is all about you. Christmas is about you. What your weakness is, whether that be pornography, whether that be addiction of some kind, whether that be struggling to forgive somebody, or even falling for the trap that forgiveness and taking time to heal and setting boundaries and not re-entering toxic and abusive situations, if you're under that lie that you can't do those things, that only to forgive, you have to get, keep getting hurt, or whatever your individual trial is, 
Christmas is for you. Jesus Christ was sent to the earth for you. Jesus Christ atoned for you. He bled from every pore and he felt this pain because having a personal relationship with the Savior and knowing how the Savior works in your lives and knowing that it's not just a spirit, it's not Heavenly Father, but this is a personal relationship with the Savior is when you realize that his atonement is helping you overcome is when you focus on what he felt for you as opposed to what you feel. If you have an addiction and you're just craving going back and being under that demon and the demon that's inside you is just roaring, wanting to tear you down, when you change that focus to the demon that's inside you that's roaring to then focusing on what he felt for you, not for your neighbor, not for your bishop, not for your sister, but for you, and you focus on what he felt for you, and you also focus on why he did it, why he asked God in the immense pain, let this cup pass for me, and then in that immense pain says, not my will be done, but thine be done. He did that because he loves you. He was born because he loves you. He chose to live a sinless life because he loves you. He chose to sacrifice everything because he loves you. Because he wanted you to overcome your pornography. He wanted you to overcome the emotional abuse. He wanted you to overcome struggling forgiveness, being impatient, whatever your weakness is. He wanted you to conquer that, to come back home, and to go become a future god or goddess, to then create worlds of your own. To then teach other people that just because you don't get a miracle in your life and you still be a miracle for somebody else, to teach people it's never too late to come back home, to teach people remember Lot's wife, no matter how difficult the sin. This is another teaching of President Nelson, who's a prophet of God, that there is nothing that can extend below the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can't repent of. And that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is that song of good cheer that a perfect son was born for you. I didn't realize you were going to write a sermon today. <laughs> that was amazing. I was like, there's probably those who watched me switch the camera angles. Every time I just like was about to burst out and just be like, yes, I agree. I switched it to me and Shinaboon both just like, <laughs> nodding yeah, her heads just, up and down <laughs> just just straight up head smashing just oh just <laughs> spitting fire just spitting fire yeah man i was i in church i do a big thing where it's funny because everyone's so like silent in church where they're all just you know listening smiling but for some reason i naturally just like like, I'm just like, when I agree with something, I just go like, mm. I'm like so excited about it. Like, I just start nodding. And it's funny because people will notice it or giving talks and they'll come to me after and they're like, thank you so much for like nodding your head. Like, I felt like, you know, I was touching you and I was like relating with you. And I was like, yeah, bro. I just like, I was feeling it. And it, you know, it makes me happy. So you probably saw me and Shinobun both heads, head just, stomping. What did you say? <laughs> How did you phrase Just it? head smashing, head just smashing. head smashing, just yeah. head smashing the air. Yeah, it, that was amazing. Um, I think this has been a fun podcast. I love Christmas. I love the Savior. And we're going to end tonight with sharing our personal experiences with the Savior. And I think since we are low on time, um, I'd like all of us to feel, or I'd like all of us to share one we feel prompted to share. 
doesn't have to be your most special. It doesn't have to be the most sacred, but maybe one that you feel um, that you've had with the Savior that maybe those who are listening need to hear. Um, I can give you guys maybe a 30 seconds, minute to think about that, um, and then we'll restart up. I'm ready. You ready? You want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was baptized August 4th, 2018. I read enough in the Book of Mormon to know it was to believe it was true. Not know, but believe. And when I left on my mission, I had the natural doubts and fears that any young man going out would have. And there was two experiences that Jesus Christ was intimately involved in my life. And I grew up Lutheran. I have a great love for evangelical Christians. I love how Christ-centered they are. I love their focus. I love their enthusiasm. And one day on the mission, long story short, my companion and I, all our appointments fell through. And we were just spending the whole evening knocking on doors, talking to everybody in the street, trying to share about Jesus Christ and the good news that he is and that this Christmas season is all about. And it was at night as in South America and Peru. Every night at 7 p.m., like clockwork, it goes dark. And we were walking around, and close to our apartment, there's a big Catholic cathedral. I remember passing that and feeling nothing about that building. And then we walk a few more blocks and we go kind of more into a condensed metropolitan area of the town. And there was a couple evangelical Christians, Christian churches that were there, just like businesses. And they had their advertising and marketing and all that. And I realized that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. I knew it before, and I believed it before, but this was deeper. This is at a deeper level. The churches that I saw in that metropolitan area, they were not that much different than a Target or a Walmart, trying to get more customers. And if you move to the next town, the doctrine would likely change. Certainly if you change countries, it would change. And the Catholic Church, speaking of changing countries, in North America... They do not worship different saints, but in South America they do. For example, in South America, the Virgin Mary is not just admired, but she is actually worshipped, along with other apostles the Savior had during his earthly ministry. But that night I knew, as a fresh convert who never been outside the United States before, barely, basically didn't speak the language, Far from home. His dad didn't even want him out there. He wouldn't even talk to him. Brother doesn't want him out there either. But I wanted to be there. And I, in part, expounded why I was there that night. Because I realized when I go to church that Sunday, that sacrament prayer, even if it's in a different, even when it's in a different language, is the same exact prayer as it is everywhere in the world, from New Zealand to Tokyo, Japan to Salt Lake City, Utah. It's the same sacrament prayer. It's the same gospel. It's the same Jesus Christ who healed me from my sins and forgave me and allowed me to be a missionary. It's the same doctrine. 
that I learned before I got baptized that I am then teaching in a different world, in a different country. That was one. And the second one was when I got reassigned during COVID. I got reassigned to the greatest state in the union, my favorite state, Wisconsin, where I grew up. I know, I love all the states, so there's no great state. But anyways, and when I was there, I met, and I mentioned him before, but I met one of my best friends, and he grew up in the church. He did all the right things you're supposed to do. Went to primary, did all the primary answers, had a good life. However, in middle school, he developed a pornography addiction, and it stopped him from going on a mission. But he was a great football player, football offensive lineman, and he went off to college to play football. And then the 2019-2020 academic year, he had a horrible shoulder injury while playing football. So that looked, it looked like he was going to deteriorate his career as well as being sent home from school. So he's in his parents' basement. And each of us know being isolated is not good for addictions. And his pornography addiction exacerbated. And his football career was falling apart. And school was, was, he was sent home from it. And he thought, what have I done to end up here? I was a good person my whole life. I did all the primary answers. I went to church. I did all the motions. And here I am not making any progress at all. In fact, I'm actually going backwards. And so he thought, I'm done with the church. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm never going to change. And the church has nothing that's going to help me change. And right when he made that decision, he got a text on Facebook Messenger from two missionaries. <laughs> I was one of them. And he thought, well, I'm going to give the church one last shot. I'm going to give it one lesson. And if I don't feel anything, I'm gone. I'm not looking back. Well, we go and have that lesson. And uh, it gets even worse. He tricked us and he had a bunch of Star Wars references which thankfully my companion knew Star Wars. He tied it to the gospel beautifully and ended with an invitation. And Jared's like, good enough. I'll come back for another lesson. <laughs> he came back for another one after that. And then after a few lessons, we invited him to join us for a, for a member lesson, non-member lesson. We asked him to share about the restoration. When he shared it, his screen got brighter by, by about 10%. And I could tell you felt the truth that the Church of Jesus Christ was restored through the prophet Joseph Smith, who I testify as a prophet of God. And then we invited him to join another lesson, but this was with, was with a returning member, and this returning member also had a similar struggle as this man did. And we invited both of them to read just a little bit of the Book of Mormon every day. And Jared did that. And he read it consistently. Six months later, he overcame his pornography addiction. Two years later, he married another sister that came back to the church. And this April, they're getting sealed for time and all eternity in the holy temple of God. I testify that the Book of Mormon's true. I testify that reading it is going to allow us to have a personal relationship with Christ. And that I know this Christmas season's all about reconciling with Him. It's all about you. And those are personal experiences I had with Jesus Christ that have changed my life. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> I really liked, I've heard a little bit about both of those. Um, you shared them on your conversion story, but I think that first one is so relatable for a lot of people, especially me. Um, it being, being, seeing 
seeing the fruits of Christ's church and realizing it and seeing what his church would look like if it was on earth and it is. Um, and I love that you saw and recognized the different churches and how their doctrine would change per town, per city, per country. Um, and Christ's church is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's, it's, it's unified. It's, it's not random and it's not chaotic and it's not different. It's, it's truth, right? And truth doesn't change. I love that. Shinobun, what do you think, brother? Are you ready to share yours? Yes. Yeah. Actually, this one, this might be, you might recognize this one, Jackson. So, my, my experience actually was quite recent. So, I'm a re like I've I was less active for very 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 long time. It's only within the last since two thousand end of two thousand twenty two mid 2022, I started coming back, and so my impression at first with the missionaries were young and naive. <laughs> That was kind of you know I was thinking I was like yeah, I'm getting these. I'm getting these young missionaries that come from, Utah, you know, they had the mother, or you know, silver, silver spoons born in their mouths, like you know, and you know, telling me about their life and how they live, and you know, and it was it was hard for me to relate to because they're talking about their struggle and all this, but I was like, uh. Depend, you know, depending also where you come from as well. I'm sure in America, de depending on your states,、um, you know, it could be a lot worse. And for me, it was quite hard getting, you know, an 18 year old, 19 year old telling me how to improve my life and how God can improve my life. And I was like, get out of town, mate. You know, and I had a high, I had a heavy policy. Um, I don't really invite people into my house, only family. And it's there was one time I was considering, and that one time was when Jackson was there. So I meet this missionary, I meet this missionary, Aldemar's <laughs> tall glass of water, refreshing, and he has a big smile. And at first I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he looks happy. And but when I started talking to him, I was like, oh man, this guy loves what he's doing. Like he. He was just radiant. He was the spirit was just leaking out of him, and I was like, okay, okay, you know, I'll 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 interact with this human. I'll interact with this person. I'll I'll give him a chance, because normally I'm very, I don't give you, you get no chances. You step through the door, ninety five percent of the time, I'm just gonna be like, yeah, no, arrogant. Yeah, I'm also arrogant. It's terrible, terrible person, terrible person. Such a hypocrite, but <laughs> you're amazing. So I meet Jackson, and I start talking to him, and not once do I hear "I" from him. I barely heard "I," 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 me, me, me. I heard "we," the Spirit, the Gospel, the Lord Christ. These were key words that he was using, and I was picking up, and I was like, "Okay, no." This this boy here, this this young man, 
is here for a purpose. He knows what he's doing. He knows why. He knows that he's here to serve. And it spoke volumes. The way that he they interacted with the members, which weren't very... So the war that I'm from is a little bit different. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> It, it's an intense ward. It's an intense ward because, you know, very different uh, characters, really intense, lovely people. But at first, they can be a little bit like, oh, man, these guys are a bit cold, you know, a bit cold turkey, a bit cold cut. But they are warm. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Just joking. But regardless, regardless of what, hap- what was going on, Jackson, you know, there was a time that he was a little bit upset about it. And... It was the first time that I actually opened up with them, and I used to invite them. I'd like come. I, I work out. I go to, I go to the park. I I love using the bars here. And he was always active. He's like, "Oh, hi, Andre. Can we join? Can we join? Can we join?" And I think it was also the time that I started liking his partner, Aldos, because he kind of jumped off his high horse, even though he's like, "Yay, hi." <laughs> <laughs> and we had this amazing moment. And like normally, I don't give people advice. I don't, I, you know, new people. I don't really give them advice. One because I don't really care, but like at the same time, it's like, oh, who am I to give you advice or tell you what to do? I, it's, I don't want to do that. But I was prompted to just, I don't know. I was prompted to say some things, and I don't know what happened. Like it was weird. I had, a, I felt weird after it. But I was, I said some things and then they, they gave me feedback. They're like, you know, we needed to hear this. Oh, you know, this was, this was reassuring. And then his partner, Aldous, started opening up a lot more. And they were telling me a story like, oh, you know, they they had plans. And Aldous was like, oh, no, no, we, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. We have to. And, but Jackson was like, nah, nah, nah. Let's just go here. Like, it's easy. You know, yeah, it's a bit of a bike but let's do it. And I had, because of them, spiritually, I felt awakened. I got, I was a little bit more aware because Jackson, and then even an Aldos eventually listened to the spirit. They felt the spirit. They felt that, go here, just come here, talk to this person because they are what I needed. And the Lord knew what I needed and he knew how I would react to them. And I, and I reacted the way that was needed. And, you know, whether I helped them with some of the stuff I was saying, um, they helped me a lot with a lot of their feedbacks and a lot of the stuff that they were saying. And, it, you know, it brought me closer to the church. I actually I became, you know, I wanted to be more active after the interaction. I got and I was like, I want to teach an English lesson. And I was doing a couple of English lessons and then, a lot of our English speakers gapped that we don't have enough. But I was, you know, I was really keen. I was like, I want a calling. I felt really strong about it. And I just, it, for me, it was, it was like an answer because I've always wanted answers. Like, you know, can you give me some inspiration? I want these, I want these amazing things, you know, I want to be prompted to go into the bush and pray, you know, <laughs> yeah. But instead, I was prompted to, hey, invite these missionaries to work out with you. Invite them. And I listened to it. And I'm so glad I listened to it. And I'm so glad that this, that Jackson was listening to the, to the 
to the spirit as well because it opened the door for Christ to really, for me to get closer to Christ and to be wanting to actively be more active in the gospel, in our ward. So uh, I have to say thank you to you, Jackson, elder man. Um, <laughs> I don't but you know, it, but thank you. Uh, you do, mate. You do. You do deserve it, and it's grateful. I'm, I'm grateful, and there are thousands of more missionaries like you, um, that people need, and I'm just so grateful. And it's you were, you were a, yeah, you were a, a prayer answered. You were a prayer answered to me, so uh, I'm, very, I'm very grateful. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I'll I'll comment a little bit on my perspective of the situation. Uh, that scenario that he's talking about was one of the coolest times of my mission. It was amazing. Uh, for one, we didn't expect what he said to come out of his mouth at all. Two, it was exactly what we needed to hear. Three, the one of the most crazy parts was. I so badly felt we needed to go work out with him that day. And my companion was very, very against it. And I have never seen my companion change so much when he went there with the attitude of this is a waste of time to then after crying because of him realizing that everyone matters, the Savior ministers to the individual and he also didn't go there with the intent of him learning, right? Um, him being changed from it. Um, and that that was beautiful. That was like so cool to me to see someone. I mean, two. I think three people grow. Everyone edified in that experience. But it was so cool for me to see Shinobun following the spirit. Um, and kind of me and Shinobun working together without realizing it to get us to that point. Um, to really helping my companion like become the man he is today. I also think it was just really special because I can also say from this standpoint that ever since that moment, I've seen Shinobun change a lot. Um, in in my perspective, as him being becoming one of my best friends, it he is. I feel like so much closer to the spirit ever since he had followed that prompting to share things with us that he for some reason randomly felt to share. It's not like that came from him. He just followed the spirit um, and said words that, like he said after, he's like, I felt weird. That just kind of came out of my mouth. Um, But I've seen him grow so much from it. Like from him joining the podcast, say he would have joined the podcast six months ago, a year ago, um, compared to who he is now. Like um, he says things in the podcast. um, He shares thoughts in the podcast that people need to hear. Um, which I don't think he would have been as spiritually in tune a long time ago to to do this. Um, and so I, I really do think that was, I'm really glad you followed the spirit during that moment because you changed a lot of people, um, including me and especially um, probably yourself, but especially uh, all this that really, that really changed him. From, from my perspective, when we left, I don't know if I've shared that mm-hmm. with you, but, um, and also, of course, it changed me because me and you are so close now. Um, and that, ha- I mean, that really all happened from those workout sessions. I mean, that's, that's why we're best buddies now. So, um, 
Thank you for sharing that. I was really kind to you. I was not expecting that. Um, but Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. All right. My experience um, kind of relates a little bit to what you were talking about a little bit. Um, this isn't probably my most insanely powerful experience, but it, it was powerful and it it's actually something the whole episode I've felt prompted to share. Um, and I'll probably take, I'll probably share two quick experiences if we have time, but on my mission in Japan, I, I had a, I had a companion in an area that was really hard, um, way before I met Shinobun and it was, it was tough. It was really, really hard. I felt like I was trying to do everything right. And and it was just bad. It was it was the area, but m- most importantly, it was my companion. We just did not get along, and I won't go too in detail about what happened. But I was probably the most depressed I've ever been in my entire life. I felt the most alone I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, I felt everything I did was shut down. I felt I was trying so hard to be a disciple, and I and it. It was just shut down over and over again. And I remember for hours, for hours and hours and hours, I would I, I would have to get away by myself and I would sometimes go in the shower by myself with all my clothes on and just sit on my knees for literally hours just pleading with the Lord to give me charity for my companion, to help me be happy, to want to continue pushing through this hard time. Um, and while I was with him, it never came, never, never came. And I just remember, I was like, this is, this is harder than everything I've ever been through. And that, that was even crazy for me to think that because I'd been through a lot of, uh, BS in, when I was younger. And, um, that was, there, there was a point in my mission where I, I remember we were walking up this hill and I saw that this car come by and I just thought, wouldn't it be so easy just to step in front of that thing? I could just avoid all this pain. I don't want to feel it anymore. I honestly felt like I was te- I was getting close to being tempted beyond what I could bear. I-, I was getting to a point of saying, Heavenly Father, I've prayed for hours and hours and hours and I I can't do this anymore. I'd rather, I-, I would rather step in front of this car. And I was, I was, <laughs> I was very tempted, um, which is scary to say. Those thoughts are scary. When they come to your mind, it kind of hits you in reality and you go, did I just think, did, did I just have a suicidal thought? That's crazy. Like it hits you so hard. And that was really scary for me. A couple a couple months pass, I get a new companion um, and it is double whammy. I'm like, it is bad. And I am so depressed. I feel everything I'm doing, I'm trying so hard to be a disciple and I'm just getting shut down um, and we can't make anything work. And I, same thing, I, I would have to separate myself. I'd go pray for just hours to try, just try to feel love for um, this person that I just could not work with. And I remember my mission president sending me a scripture about, you know, just pray for charity, pray for charity. And like, s- sometimes I was about to like, send back a message be like mission president i am praying for charity bro it's been like 
hours in the shower praying for love. Like, come on, man. Um, and I, I got to a point. I got to such a bad point, worse than that, that first companion, that I, we were on the top floor of our building. That's where we lived. And I was so, I like, I'm, I'm probably going to cry, but I, it was, it hurt so bad. Like I felt like spiritually, mentally, physically, I just could not bear, um, the pain anymore that I was feeling. And I walked out to the ledge and I looked down and I just like said over and over, I was like, this would feel so nice. Like it gave me, it, it's a weird thing to say this, but it gave me peace thinking I could jump off and just all the pain would go away. Um, And that, that hit me really hard. Um, and I just, I, for, for, for five minutes, I just sat there thinking and kind of daydreaming that how good it would feel just to not feel this anymore. And finally that thought really scared me once again. And I fell to my knees and just pleaded, like pleaded with heavenly father, please help me through this. I can't do this anymore. Um, I got up for my prayer. I didn't want to kill myself anymore, but I didn't want to jump anymore, but I, nothing, nothing, no pain went away and past another three months, maybe from that point, I get a new companion, this companion I love. We're doing good together. Um, I'm sit every single morning. I'd wake up, start working out and listen to a talk. And for some reason, guys, for some reason, nine months later from those experiences, I'm listening to this talk by, um, Hubie Brown and it's called the gardener. And he talks about, I'll share a little bit about his story. He talks about how um, he was on his farm in Canada and he was going around cutting um, different bushes and he saw this little, um, this little shrubbery um, and it's a, called a currant bush. And he went over to the currant bush and it was way too overgrown, like above the apple trees. Like it was, it was nasty. Right. And so he goes over, gets off his horse, cuts it down um, until it's like just a stump. And when you cut, if you, when you cut into wood, especially wet wood, you can sometimes see little drops come out of the wood. And he saw a little drop come out and he kind of imagined it in his kind of, um, humility or in his, like in his humor, he imagined it crying. And he said, little current bush, why are you crying? Like I just helped you. And he imagined it talking back to him. And it was like, you just cut me down. I was taller than the apple trees. I was making so much progress and you cut me down. What's your problem? And he said, Sheesh. And he said back to the little current bush, he said, I'm the gardener here and I know what's best for you. And one day when you are laden with fruit, you'll thank me for loving you enough to hurt you. Um, and then Hubie Brown later in life is in the army and he's a captain and, and his goal, his life dream is to become a general. And he ha- is qualified in every single way to be a general, like in, in any, every way he was supposed to be the general. And there was a, there was a spot that was freed up for him to become the general and he would be the next one put in line to be the general. So he, so he goes over to, um, like the corporate office or wherever they promote people and his general brings him into the office and says, you in every way are qualified to be the next general. You have done everything perfectly to be this general, but we are not going to promote you. Then the general stood up, walked out. He went and took, take a phone call 
and Hubie Brown is, is sitting there and saying, um, what, what? Like he was so blown away. He had no clue what was going on. And he looked on the desk of his general's desk and he saw this man is a Mormon stamped in all red on all of his papers and all of his documents. And he had realized at that point that he wasn't being promoted because of his, of his beliefs. So he left that office, went on the train tracks and um, every time he heard the wheel turn over on the train tracks, he got more and more upset at God and was just more and more. It was like it was mocking him. He went back to his base, walked into his quarters and, and threw his hat on his bed and shook his fist at God. Frick, dude, I always cry during this freaking story, but he shook his fist at God and he said, I've done everything you've asked me to. I've been, I've been a disciple my whole life. I've paid my tithing. I've been a faithful member I've prayed, I've gone on mission, I've done everything you've asked me to, and you've cut me down when I've done everything you've asked. Um, and he heard his own voice come to his head that said, I'm the gardener here, and I know what's best for you. And one day, when you're laden with fruit, you'll love me enough. You'll love me for um, uh, loving you enough to hurt you. Um, you'll thank me for loving you enough to hurt you. And at that point, he fell to his knees and, and started to repent and realize that. Um, Heavenly Father was preparing him for something a lot bigger. And instead of, instead of becoming a general, he became um, president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Um, and that's a, that's, that's pretty special duty compared to being a general. And as I listened to this story in my apartment, at that same time, I fell to my knees and asked God for forgiveness for holding such a grudge against my two companions. Um, I was so upset at them and I had learned that not for one, that Heavenly Father was preparing me to be a, to learn how to forgive and have charity um, for people that I never would have had love for. Because in the real world, I would have not chose to love those two men, which now I've been blessed with so much charity for, and I love them so much. Two, which was one of the biggest realizations that I knew the Savior was there for me when I was just pleading and I wanted to really do something bad. I wanted to jump off the ledge. Um, and I, I had realized that he was there for me, um, knowing what I had gone through and pushing me through it to the, where I was at my rock bottom, but just enough to learn so many valuable lessons, um, more than I could like even comprehend that I've learned from those. And I, I just promise you all those who are listening that you may feel at bottom rock bottom, but if you're trying to do your best, just as Hubie Brown said, he's I've done everything you've cut me down. That's how I felt for a long time. I thought I'm doing everything on my mission. I'm trying to be the best disciple. I'm here to change people through you. I'm here to do everything I can. And it feels like I'm getting nothing. And what I've learned is Heavenly Father has a lot bigger plans than me than I thought, than I think he does. Um, and he needed to teach me how to suffer and learn charity. And he needed to teach me how to go through so much heck. Um, to learn how to love others that I never would have loved um, and forgive and forgive, especially forgive those who I never thought I would be able to forgive.
Um, and that that is one of the biggest stories how I know the Savior was, was there for me. Um, Justin, I, I was at my end just enough to learn some huge lessons that I'll never forget. Um, and that's how much God loves us is to put us that close, but also to come this far back. Um, yeah, that, that, I'll, I'll, that, that I'll stick with that story because, um, I had another one, but I knew that one was really strong spirit prompted me to share that one with all you listening. And, um, yeah, anyone have any last thoughts before we end up this Christmas episode? I love you. Love you too, bro. I I want to I just want to add one last part, one last thing is I love everything Jackson shared and I love how individual his story was. I just want to testify that Jesus Christ is the healer and it is a one by one relationship. The Lord teaches through his general authorities, his servants, his missionaries, the general authorities, general principles. But the relationship is individual. Jesus Christ is here to heal your individual wounds. Heavenly Father is so aware of your personal circumstances. And he's going to use his son if you just open that door. And there's so many ways to open it from going to church, from reading the Book of Mormon every day, from praying to going to the temple. You just do one small act. And the Savior is going to come rushing in to help heal wounds you thought were absolutely impossible to heal. Everybody, Merry Christmas and have a good night. This has been Conversion to Christ Podcast. We will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sweet. Awesome. You know the great thing about that story, though?